Welcome to the latest ATP Tennis Radio podcast. I'm Gigi Salmon and on this week's show, we are lucky enough to be joined by two coaches and their amazing perspectives on the game. Shortly, we'll hear from Roger Rashid, who's coached the likes of Leighton Hewitt, Gail Monfils, Joe Wilfred Songer and Gregor Dimitrov. But first up, former Davis Cup player Jesse Levine, who retired from the Tour in 2014 and joined our reporter Jill Krabus for a chat. And they started by discussing how the Tour has changed from when he was playing. I think it's transitioned into a lot taller player from when I played. <laughs> it's actually um, pretty unique and amazing. I feel like the game has gotten that much more athletic. Um, you're seeing guys that are six foot eight that are moving like the same speed as guys that are five foot nine. Um, it's uh, it's pretty incredible, and the amount of time that they put in on and off the court now, I think it's gotten a lot more physical. Um, I also think that the longevity is getting so much better and these guys are taking care of their bodies they're eating the right things they're doing all the right things on and off the court and it's amazing how much longer each and every one of these players are playing and and as far as like taller players Mm because it is sometimes one of the biggest challenges is the movement what do you feel like has contributed to them being able to get faster on the court well i think uh just sports science just in general you have all these trainers and physical therapy and everything that are doing things just specifically just for tennis i think uh, growing up as a kid you know you just did multi-sports everyone played a lot of different sports and now you're seeing uh young kids at 12 13 years old just specifics only doing fitness just for tennis in that's it they don't play any other sports they're starting at a very young age only playing one sport just so that they can get all the body mechanics right at such a young age and i think it's incredible but also i'd like to see them still playing a lot of other sports at a young age because that's how you get cross training so there's two ways of looking at it but i think that definitely plays a factor did you play a lot of different sports? i did i played four or five different sports even in high school i got a scholarship to a private high school in florida and i played soccer basketball baseball and golf for high school as well basketball i wasn't tall enough soccer <laughs> i wasn't good enough and baseball was a little slow for me so i stuck with tennis <laughs> and so what how do you feel like those playing those different sports helped your tennis game well, i think it's amazing for the hand-eye coordination and obviously footwork you know soccer is incredible for why do you think you know all the, the european players are so good with their feet and moving around on the courts and sliding and everything like that so i think uh you know it definitely plays a factor each sport is good for something for tennis you know and it's funny you can redirect a serve coming at you 120 130 miles an hour but the golf ball is not moving and you can't put it where you want so it's a little frustrating sometimes but it's uh it's pretty amazing and it's good for your mental focus it's good to um you know work on it especially because golf's also an individual sport but then it's different when you play the team sports because you get to experience that as well so i think it's important to still play other sports at a young age um, and as I mentioned, you had a very successful career. Do you do you miss it at all? Yeah, I miss, miss it all playing? the time. I definitely miss the competition aspect. You know that feeling that you get, uh, that feeling right before you go on the court. You can't simulate that anywhere. Um, I get that a little bit now because I'm coaching still. So um, you still kind of get that winning and losing feeling when you, the player wins. You feel like you're kind of winning with them. When they lose, you kind of feel like you lose with them as well, um, which I'm fortunate for because I have a great relationship with the girl I'm coaching and Jessica Pagula on the WTA tour. So it's. Um, it's pretty neat and very different and just I like being on the other side of the fence now and 
you know, I don't have to, you know, go through all the ups and downs as a player does. I was going to mention the coaching um, because it's always curious to hear how you transition from a player to a coach and, and kind of what you learned maybe mm-hmm. from that experience about your own game when you played. I think it's funny when you start coaching, you start seeing a lot of things that you wish you saw when you were playing. I think you can speak for that. You know, it's it's uh, it's pretty funny. Like you just look at things from a totally different perspective and when you're watching from, you know, whether it's film, whether it's on the court and you're not hitting and when you're not hitting, you could just see that much more of the court, and you could see that more that much more of the tactics and what they're doing right and what they should be doing, what they're doing wrong. It's just, it's completely different. I wish that I did more film when I played. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. You see it in all other sports, and now you're just starting to see it that much more in tennis as well. So, do you film Jessica quite a bit? I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And does you know, she, we, does we she go love through, looking at she it? She actually or? responds really well to when she plays matches and when we go over film. That's I found some players don't like that. Some players don't respond well to it everybody's different so we've kind of you know experimented on a couple different aspects of what we should do what we shouldn't do and I think uh, we're getting close to uh, getting all the right things done now you um, on the tour had some great experiences you were lucky enough to be invited to Dubai to train with Roger Federer what was that experience like and what you as a player did you learn from from that well that was probably one of the most experiences of my life Uh, I remember I was in college and I got a phone call from somebody asking me if I'd like to go and I actually thought it was one of my college teammates playing a prank on me so I hung up the phone and I almost blew it for myself but (laughs) about like five ten minutes later they called again from another number and they said no this is for real it's not a joke and so I uh, ended lucky up doing for you, they called back. Yeah, I'm lucky they called back. I thought they were going to just put me to the side once I said no or hung up on them. But, no, it was truly an amazing experience. He, I think people don't realize how hard he actually works. I think they're used to seeing him at tournaments, and he just looks so effortless in the way he just floats around the court and moves. And, you know, obviously at his age, we talked about longevity early on, and he definitely has that. But, you know, he definitely puts in the hard work and puts in the hard yards, and that's when it goes to show when he's on when he's on the court playing and another experience I wanted to talk about with you is being able to to be a part of the Davis Cup team um, you're a part of the team with Roddick and Blake and the Bryan brothers mm-hmm. um, just say talk about that just being part you know being able to pl- uh, be a part of something for your country and also how those guys um, you know guided you and, and helped you and helped influence you well, I think uh, for me just being able to play college tennis first and then transitioning to the tour just I miss that team camaraderie in some aspects so Davis Cup was just that on about 10 times more of a level in college tennis just you know being able to be there and represent your country and it's just a special occasion and you can just tell how passionate Andy and James were about it when I was able to be a hitting partner for the team at a young age and um, those were guys that I look up to and did look up to when I was before I even was on tour and then just to be there with them in that moment was pretty special and uh, you know now I actually got to play James on the Champions Tour because I'm old enough now so it was kind of fun I got some revenge on him and he's like it doesn't count you got a lot of years on me you know so but uh, it was still a good fun and also um, I know you now you're from Canada Mm -hmm. so during your professional career you switched back to mm-hmm. your home country, Canada. Was that something that you always wanted to do? Um, I, I would say was that I always a tough felt. Decision? You know, it was to me, it wasn't really a tough decision. Um, you know, I always wanted a chance to play Davis Cup, and at that time, I was going to be the number two player in Canada, just behind Milos Raonic, and um, I wasn't going to get that opportunity to play for the United States. I had too many players that were ranked too high, and the level was too high at that time for sure for me to even have a chance. So for me, it was a no-brainer. It was always something I wanted to do. I was also born here, so I always felt uh, pretty patriotic about it. So it was uh, it was an interesting decision, but I honestly, I thought I was 
ready and prepared to kind of catch more slack, but I didn't get too much, so that was nice. People and, understood. Yeah, yeah. And and so being back in Canada, you're also now a commentator mm-hmm. for Sportsnet. Um, are you enjoying that role, and how is that, has that uh, changed how you visualize the sport as well? Yeah, I, I truly enjoy it. It's it's like, like I said about coaching, you're on the other side of the fence, and then when you're doing TV and you're doing all the analysis and commentating, it's uh, it's definitely different, something to get used to at first, but it's uh, it's been an amazing experience. This is my third or fourth year doing it for them so it's um they actually asked me to do it when i was playing so i did it one time and they're like hey have you ever done that before and i was like no and they're like well when you're done you're playing let, when you're done playing <laughs> let us know so when i was done playing i let them know and next thing you know i'm doing some commentary for davis cup and um and rogers cup every year and it's been uh, amazing they've they do an amazing job with the coverage i'm just happy to be part of it just talking about the men's draw um who who is it who has impressed you the most and you know we talked earlier about how the men's game has changed so much and but those next up and coming players yeah. well, what's i think you the most? It was, i mean there's not just one in particular but to me, uh, I think a lot of people saw Oje Aliasim for the first time here, who, you know, obviously his name is out there now, and people are starting to recognize who he is, and he's someone that's going to be around for a long time. And then we saw Tsitsipas, who's against Vera, both those players, and that's a rivalry that we're going to see for a long time, I'm pretty sure of that. And um, who else? I mean, Chapovalov, I mean, obviously playing so in front many. of his home crowd. There's, I, I don't know when it's going to happen, but they're will be a changing of the guard just a matter of when and these are definitely some of the players that are going to be part of that and uh i'm just excited to see what tennis has in store for us in the future with the young talent that's coming up it's crazy we're talking about you know 17 18 year olds you know and they're playing against 30 33 year olds and you know it's just a matter of time well, I'm sitting in the player lounge, and I'm, I'm happy to say yesterday I ran into someone very special to talk to outside on the grounds, um, and it's Roger Rashid. Roger, thank you so much for joining us today on ATP Tennis Radio. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. We had a nice chat outside yesterday, and I just I just was very happy that you were going to be willing to sit down today because you have such great insight as a former player and also a very successful coach on the tour. Um, how long did you play on the tour for? Uh, look, it was a pretty I mean, it was a pretty small moment, really. You know, I... Um, Got on the tour at, at about 16, just after 16, 17, um, and then I was on. Then it was, it was about a four-year period because I was um, I had to retire at 21, uh, almost 22, with with uh, severe spinal problems uh, up and down my spine. Five disc, I had five disc problems up my spine, um, and in that time of 17 to 21, 22, I had a year out of the game where I was taped up and um, you know just to try and get I, I basically lived day to day trying to survive the tour so I was sort of 50% on the tour 50% off the tour during that period so it was a really it was a volatile period courtesy of um, a major major injury it was you know it was uh, something I couldn't couldn't help so so you then have a lot of experience obviously trying to recover from those situations and you know there's been a, a talk on the ATP tour about the injuries that have come up how how difficult it is to deal with that not only physically but mentally to come back from that yeah, I think that's the biggest point is that it's it's more the mental side of it when you've physically I think you can you deal with it because you've been a, you've been an athlete that's had to go out there and prepare and get ready and actually for the competition so you've you've done a lot of groundwork and homework in getting yourself ready so so that's a, just another once you're injured you, you sort of reset and now I've got to get myself ready in a different way it's not necessarily uh, tennis wise it's actually schooling yourself and actually understanding how to get your body right to play so the, the hardest part's mentally how do I stay um, how do I not get down about what my what's going on and how you know how, I need to say that you, you my best thing is okay I'm injured now 
what does the picture look like now for me and where am I going and how can I get there in you know the quickest possible way um, where where I won't default once I get on on the court again and so once you paint that picture with for an athlete and you've got that you've got those little small goals to attack generally they can actually you know they'll do that with with uh, better um, a better mental state you know it's, it's when you actually start feeling sorry for yourself that you're injured and it's not um, or, or you have a setback the setbacks the issue is when they have a setback and they try and nothing happens and, and I've lived in that world but I lived in that world so it was, it was actually uh, it was it was tough to do but you've got to also understand that sport will come with that and depending on the injury, obviously, how difficult it is, is it to like really trust your body and like trust yourself out there as far as like movement and being able to know that you can play 100% again? Yeah, it depends. And it depends what injury it is. So someone like Andy with it was hip, you know, but also you got to understand the character. Someone, if you know, take Andy Murray, for example, um, he liked the volume of work. You know, he's always been about volume, get the right volume in off the court. He's loved the training process because he's understood that if I can get myself to sort of beast mode as far as physically, um, mentally I'm strong and then I can outlast my opponent as well. So he needed that uh, DNA to feel comfortable on the tennis court. And so now he's got to work a different way around that so he can actually you know, survive. And so it's, it's playing the matches, yes, doing the work, but it may be in a different format uh, so he doesn't load up the, you know, the areas that he was... Uh, that he was hurt with so and they're all and then you've got some athletes that will just jump back on the court and uh and get on with it you know where um and then we see Stan Wawrinka who's taking some more time to get his form back and the trust and and it's just trust it is it's trusting your body under extreme moments um and whether it's going to it's going to be there for you and that's the hardest thing as an athlete in in not just tennis but everywhere is that is my body there for me and if you uh once it's there everything else sort of opens up well, that's why it's so important to have someone like you who's been so successful as a coach on the tour to have that support group around you so you can recognize in the player when to maybe step back, when to push them. Um, and you've worked with a lot of players. You've worked with Leighton Hewitt, Monfils, Songa, Dimitrov recently. Um, how, how, as far as your role, because I think people don't understand how, how important a role as a coach is, not only on the court, but as far as emotions off the court. And you've had worked with so many players that had so many different emotions. Can you just explain to us a little bit your role in trying to deal with different personalities and, and different players? Yeah, they're all different. I mean, you know, Leighton was, um, you know, was a, a competitive monster. Uh, so that the more, the more competitive uh, it was, the better he was in the sense that um, he was at his most calmest when the rivalry was there or whether, whether the, he was playing the big match. Uh, he, was, he had blue sky then. He was really clear in his thinking because it, the challenge was so equal. Um, you know, uh, so, I, so it was just more about putting the competition in front of Leighton and whether that would be on the practice court, you know, what the, what the, you know, what the practice court looked like the, and, and challenging him continually. Every, every practice session was such an extreme challenge for him um, and we designed it that way because uh, that's what made him tick. And uh, and he and he loved the fact that when he walked off the practice court, that he'd achieved. He actually he actually won that battle. You know, he was put out there for him. He won the battle regardless. Didn't necessarily have to win on the scoreboard, but just won the battle of actually I was that competitive. Um, so he had the competitive nature in him. So everything was really, it was there for him to grab because it was all he wanted it. Um, someone like Gail was a little, a little bit different. So um, 
all these weapons played a certain way. French, you know, had, had French, so different type of culture, um, different coaching culture through there as well. So Gail was trying to get my DNA and see if he could actually buy into that. And, and that's what he, when he rang me and spoke to me personally, which was which is another great gift that he had. Um, it wasn't through anyone else. He actually rang wanting that. You know, he bought into that. And but it, but you know, the, so the, the, but the most attractive thing from my perspective is I've got to listen to the player, listen to the athletes, see what their world's all about. Uh, then I've got to um, have the discussion about why they're interested in actually having me be part of it. Um, what's what's in it for them? Is it is it just to put a coach there, or is it there for someone to actually drive something, um, or show them some different ways? And then, and then it's actually then bringing to them a um, a playbook. Which, which is for the now, for right now, for today, for what's just up ahead up the road, but also what I think the game's looking like in three years' time, five years' time, but also what I'm looking at what I can help them with career-wise um, after tennis. And that is set some platforms up and some, um, some good morals uh, that will actually help them after the game as well. So it's sort of a big build, um, but once they, once they buy into that, then the, then the, the detail's really simple. I love that when you mentioned that about Gail, how he just reached out to you. How how much of it is about, you know, the guys maturing and getting to that point mentally where they kind of have that acceptance that they have to get better or maybe accept certain things that they're not great at? Yeah, well, I mean, Gail was, you know, he was 21, I think. Uh, 21, 22, yeah, 21. Um, so, you know, he, and he just needed something, you know, he, super talent. Um Everyone talks about, oh, I should be here, should be here. Well, that's should be here, should be there. Um, but he just wanted to see what it was like to get something. So he'd obviously seen you know, and watched what happens with Leighton. Uh, that'd be cool to get into something different. Uh, wanted a different voice. And, um, you know, I remember the first time I, you know, I, I said to him, I said, oh, you're going to have to come pre-season. We'll be in Australia. Um, and jumped off the plane. I remember he jumped off the plane in early December. It was 34 degrees. And I said, oh, we might, we'll just practice in the evening. Uh, he said, no, I'm ready. And he you know, stayed on the court for two and a half hours and, and away he went. So he bought into it really quickly. And in effect, it, it actually gave him a different view of the tennis court. And I was bringing to him a different view of the tennis court from off the court activity to on the court and what his game looked like. And, um, you know, I still have a very close, he's like a son to me, Gail. So, um, so I still have a very close relation to him. So those are the, you know, and then you've got someone like Joe, who was, again, French, different type of game. So, and, and, and you know they're all competitive in their own different ways. It's just about finding the right trigger so they can buy into the performance model. So everyone will, everyone needs has got a different trigger. So you've got to actually understand the talent and then, and then work with them. So I did a lot of research on uh, the French school system, for example, to sort of understood how they were treated at school and sort of you know you know for Australia, for example, you know if you've got a cold, you don't go to the you won't go to the infirmary, you won't go to the doctor, and you know they'll. They'll punch you in the nose. So, um, so everyone's kids are treated differently. You know, they, so it's about understanding their system, how they were brought up, and then implementing. It how together. are they treated differently? Well, you know, so, I, mean, I think they've got more of a protective, um, protective mentality. Uh, the French, so if you, you know, if you, they'll they'll look at little things that will happen, and they'll be. Um, you know, a cold would mean more. You know, like they, you know, if you're a kid, you'll go there. They'll try and look after that and deal with it. Uh, in Australia, it's like you wouldn't go to the doctor for you wouldn't go to your school doctor for the for a cold. You just wouldn't. We wouldn't. Do, you don't do that. So, uh, so sort of. So you then there. Um, so that can take. That can be part of how they deal with uh, stresses of injuries or slight um, triggers to their body. You know, where they think, oh God, maybe I've got something wrong with me. Whereas, you know. 
in tennis and in sport, there's going to be times when your body's giving you some signals which you've just got to be able to work through and not actually think and default and go, oh, maybe I've got something wrong. Um, and that's, I think that's what I was trying to put in play, that if you want to be really good, you're going, to get, you're going to have to find some... You're going to go through some extreme challenges on the court against your opponent, and it might be physical for yourself, it might be mental, there might be a whole range of things, but you've got to be able to push a lot of that stuff aside and just still focus on the fight because there's, you know, it's a, it's a roller coaster, and especially fights at tennis matches. How, how do you know... Are there signs, like, how do you know when you can push through those instances and when it's time to kind of stop and hold back maybe yeah a lot of it uh, a lot of it's about how you what your practice sessions look like you know so it's about what you build so this it's, it's it's really realistically it's you know performance platforms about it's just that what does your performance platform look like how, how do you actually struck it build the foundations that, that are actually going to allow you to survive uh when it's match time when it's when it's on uh, because different things come in play so your practice sessions and and what they look like and how they're delivered uh, from both coach and player are really important so they've got to be at the absolute premium level if they're not at the most premium level every time you're out there yeah you've got to have fun obviously um well then i think you're defaulting in in what you're what you love doing and that's playing playing matches in front of big crowds and so when you look at wanting to be the best athlete you can be and be and challenge at major events your performance platform better match you know the 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 event and if it doesn't um you shouldn't have any um you shouldn't be complaining or or whinging about your results you know, uh, the only time I can, the only time you can assess results truly, is if you've really got a great performance package underneath you, because that means you're actually walking onto the court with all the weapons available, and then, and then from there you can gauge the data, and really make some forward inroads. Without the performance package underneath, you don't have. The, that's not the right data. You know, you're going into the, you're going on the front line, with a little cap gun instead of a bazooka, and and I think when you've got the opportunity to go there with a lot of bazookas, get them there and get them there ready to go. Yeah. I saw yesterday you were talking with Grigor Dimitrov a little bit, another player that you recently just finished working with. Um, a lot of talk, obviously another very talented player, um, a lot of expectations on his shoulders. How do you feel like his form has been recently? Yeah, it's probably been a little bit of a roller coaster. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he'd be the first to admit that. Um, you know, it hasn't been... Uh, the linear progression that he would have, he would have liked uh, this year. There's no doubt. So so he's got to. Um, you know, there is areas that probably aren't working for him as well as though they have been. So he and he's and he's always he's always constantly a work in progress. You know, Grigor because he's got. You know, there's a lot of tools to his game, and, and then it's about straightening those up and actually condensing them into what works. Um, more time than not during matches, so you can get through the matches. Um, and uh, yes, I think right now it's a it's a position where he's trying to work through um, a bit of a turbulent pathway when he gets on the court. Right now, when he's I think when Grillo walks on the court, um, you know he's searching for the game he wants right now, and it can and it can come really quickly. You know, it can it, the, the flick the, you know you can flick the switch pretty quickly because one thing he does do is he he's He's great on the practice court. He's committed to the game. He's really, he's really, um, you know, he's positive in his mindset towards the game. Loves the competition. So, you know, he, he's a and he's a great kid. You know, um, great kid, young man. Um, so, you know, when, with all those things in place, he'll he'll turn that corner 
you know, and get, get himself where it feels like it's safe every time he walks on the court. And and you said we might we were talking a little bit about this off air, but you mentioned that also you know he also feels comfortable that he can reach out to you anytime, um, and and that's a great compliment to you. Um, are there a lot of players that just feel like you know? I mean, that's a great compliment to you that you can just feel ready to be there for these players. Are you still in contact with a lot of the players that yeah, you work uh, with? Yeah, I mean, you know, the players that I coach, my my goals to to always uh, when that eventually that time runs out that we we've, we have a relationship that's ongoing uh, where the door's always going to be open so um, because it can't be one where there was any you know it was a negative ending because you, you both go in there uh, you've got a team you're trying to build a team you're trying to build a championship team that's my number one goal is to build the best team possible uh, from the physio from the trainer from anyone around from management, etc., that's really got to focus on high performance every day, um, and not for one, not for one minute or one hour, but every day when they're when it's about the player, uh, they've got high performance branding around them. So uh, then all the then all the boxes are all the same size and they're all filled with the right DNA. And because if, if you're not, if you've got one chink that doesn't quite match, well, again, under extreme pressure, that will come up. And then, so you should never complain if that's the case, and you haven't dealt with it. So, as an athlete, so, so I've yeah, so I, I, I leave my players. You know, when we've when they've those times have come up, they've you know they've as I said, Gales, they all have, they can ring up any time. They know I'm there for them. I always I, I'm always in communication with them anyway. Um, you know, when when I know things might not be, when I feel like I can because I can feel them. Uh, so when I feel like there's something that might be array I'll send it I'll flick a message see if it all's all, all good but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the way the way I see life I think you should you know you, you want relationships to continue regardless of the fact that you've finished coaching with them and you also mentioned to me that you would be available for Dimitrov if he asked you to help out but that's not really your role here um, what you're exactly you have a new role now tell us a little bit about that yeah I mean at the, at the moment I'm uh, you know I've decided that full-time coaching is not available to me because I have a, I have a daughter who's 11, uh, 11 now and I said when she turns 10 that I would have to take myself away from full time 35 weeks of the year travelling um, so I could only sort of really be a 20 week position potentially so it's about finding that right Joe. I love the coaching I love the you know the win loss on that day the, the ability to prepare and actually put yourself on the line um, so my position now is really uh, right here is, is I'm a board member representing the players so I get to impact um, but in a bit of a different way I, li- I like the workings I've always liked the back end, back room or the engine room behind the, the ATP tour um, and if I can influence in that way uh, that's fantastic one of my big mottos is making an impact in life and you've got to make it you know wake up and make an impact whether it's to yourself or to somebody or um, you know and I, I do it I do it one way in a funny way that if I go to a coffee shop Every day, the, f- the first coffee I buy, I will buy the person. I will buy the person behind me his coffee, uh, which you might think is a bit weird, but I think that's um, cool. I think that's, that's awesome. A, so, you know, wherever I am, I'll just whoever is having a coffee behind me, I'll, I'll or behind the drive-through if you go through the drive-through. Yeah. You ever do? Oh, the drive-through. Oh, you guys, do or do you have through drive-throughs? We have through drive-throughs. You have in the US, yeah. but um, we have a few. But just so, and the only reason I do that is, um, is that. One day, I, one day someone didn't have uh, money, and I said, "I oh, no dramas." And it was they, they bought a whole lot of things, and I said, oh, "All good, I'll look after it," because I was I was stressed. And I, I just know, you know, the, the joy that, that I could see the stress mm. and then the relief, and then I thought, "Oh, that's pretty, yeah, it's pretty cool." And then to so say, doing that and just buying a coffee, it's a it's a bit of a 
good feeling for them. It's like this, you know, it gives them this real cool feeling of somehow, and you just never know how you influence or you might impact someone on the day. Mm-hmm. It might be a day where, you know, they've, their world's in something, they may, you know, they're in a bit of turmoil. But also the unknown, that person doesn't the know unknown, who's yeah. done it. So, right? To give, not, to give really, without getting the recognition, yeah. that's a, a whole nother yeah. level. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah. it's, so and I've, I've, I haven't done it with wanting anything out of it. It's just like, I might have impacted or, you know, because she'll, he or she will walk away with a bit of a smile. Wow, that was pretty cool. And, and it gets them thinking and you never know what happens after that. Well, it's making you smile, like, uncontrollably yeah, right now. That's yeah, great. Cool. You can see how I much mean, it yeah, impacts it's, it's your one life. Of, it's, one of those, it's one of those things. I have a foundation at home which um, is we go and help extreme kids in extreme communities. Mm-hmm. So we, we use sports medicine to try to save their lives, give them direction. So I build infrastructure there um, and give them free coaching five days a week um, of, of three or four different sports. So these are kids that never touch sport. 85% of kids in extreme communities never touch sport ever. Um, so, and they've not, they've got no way out of, you know, they've got a ceiling on their life. They see that, but um, so yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm a guy that likes to impact, uh, I suppose in the top end if, and also right through the whole spectrum yeah that's good um you've had such amazing experiences on the tennis tour just i know you've given us so much of your time so thank you here on atv tennis radio but i just wanted to talk to maybe about the men's game a little bit and um where you feel like it's going some of the aussie players you know kyrios tomich milman jordan thompson kukanakis unfortunately has had quite a few injuries but maybe touch on the aussie players where you think the men's game is going and who you think that next generation can really make an impact yeah i, th- I think the you know the men's game is really healthy i'm yeah we're you know everyone didn't know whether you know the big four or roger or rafa how long were they going to be around are they going to retire are they not there's no reason to retire so, you know the numbers are the numbers um you know the number near your name does it mean that you got to react a certain way it's no if you're if you're passionate about something you're healthy and you're and you're still relevant and you love it or you play so so i think it's it's great that we've still got those guys doing what they're doing and and so they should um until finally generally what ends up wearing you out is the travel and the willingness to get out and do the day-to-day little things that no one's seeing um that's that's the first thing once that goes then it's very hard for you know you'll lose the passion for the, the you'll lose the rest it's very hard so I like the fact that they're there. I like the fact that people have to step up and take it away from them. Um, you know, I, lo- I love the fact that the young kids have to, like someone like, you know, Zverev's doing a great job. You know, he's been there for, you know, in that, in that top group for now for a while now, which is great. He's, built, he's always been building foundations. Um, you know, we've got the, we've got the, the you know, the, Nick Kyrgios has got the, the different type of flair that, wow, if it all comes together all at once together for a long period of time, is he going to be exciting at the you know the very top of the game? Um, so it's just. Do you think w- he will get to a stage where he's able to just, yeah, focus consistently? A, again, this is this is the beauty of our sport. You, you know, we can't pocket people in the same categories because it depends on how you've been brought up, what your beliefs are, what what you're really here for, and you're not everyone's here for the exact same thing. Um, you know, yeah, we're on the everyone's on the tour. That's a good point. Not yeah, everyone's here for the exact same thing. Um, so, and there are different models of getting there. So right now, you know, Nick's doing it the way he wants to do it with him controlling it and he and he's actively said it's you know it's not the right time for me to have a coach at the moment so I'm just going to do it I'll do it how I want to do it which so you've got to give him credit for that um and he puts around him what he believes is is right at the time and uh, right now and so you just got to let him breathe and go about his stuff we know what upside he's got we, we can see that there's you don't have to be rocket science to see that but so um you've just got to be supportive of of what it is and when and if he and if he wants to uh, get involved in a different type of structure he'll 
he'll come uh, looking for that. And when he does do that, then you know it'll move in that direction as well. And as far as the and I like the other and I like the other you know the the other young guys in the game at the moment. Yeah. We're seeing just different type, different names pop there, pop up. And different styles, I think, yeah. too. I think you're starting to see... Single-handed Sorry? We're seeing single-handed backhands. Single-handed more, aggressi- more aggressive, you know, with aggressive type of players where... Uh, so I think the variety is good. And, yeah. you know, that next generation that are coming through, uh, they'll, they'll make their mark. I, I think I can just, you know, just thinking of, for example, um, you know, Shapovalov is so energetic on the court. And I love his pass. Game. Yeah, I love his game, too. He's one of my favorites. And sits a pass... You know, yeah, and Deminar, another great yeah, Australian so you've got three coming guys up. There. You've got two with like real good flair, and aren't afraid flair, to come in. And not afraid, yeah. And, and uh, you know, and their games once they get molded, they're going to be really, really cool. Mm. Uh, Chapeau's got a great game. I love his game because it just does a lot, and uh, you can see it. Um, and uh, you know, and, and someone like Alex is, uh, you know, his fighting qualities. You know, he's very much, you know, he gets himself into positions all the time because he's he's competing every point has got the same value to it and so that's a great trait to have but he's had to go through that way because he's a slight athlete so he, for him to be competitive and it's funny when you look at all these di- different athletes so someone like Leighton very much like Alex uh, Dimino is that to be super competitive they had to grind the points and win every point like they were so important to them whereas you get some of the guys you know in the past that had massive surfs well they knew they could buy some free points, mm-hmm. so was it. So the build's different, you know. But get, you know, they'll eventually get there in different ways. So, uh, you know, and I like Alex. He's he's going to be an honest competitor who you'll have to beat, um, and he's still young and developing. So the games, the game's healthy. There's yeah. de- the def- I mean, I think it's very exciting. It's so exciting yeah, because I think there's it's so many exciting. unknowns still. Yeah. You know, the, the the big guys are still doing their stuff. We have got a couple that are injured. Uh, that's natural. Uh, yeah. You're going to get some wear and tear over that many years of time, and uh, and they'll come back and, and find their feet, but uh, might not necessarily be in the exact same spot, but they'll find their feet because they, they loved. What I love about our game at the moment, the men's game, is that when you look at guys on the ATP tour, is that they, they're passionate about the game. They love it. Roger loves the game. Rafa loves the game. Novak loves the game. Andy, you can see he loves the game. Stan, you know, so those big guys, you can see the love they have for tennis itself in its purest form and that's the beauty that we have is that it's it's not the finances um they're going to get rewarded if you if you're playing well you're winning you're going to get rewarded that's not that's a no-brainer it's just that they love the competition and they love the game and that's really that's rare and i can see the passion from you too just talking about it i mean i agree i mean i absolutely love it and i think the men's game is is so exciting and one more question if you don't mind because i find this actually a little bit fascinating is you t- you mentioned earlier a little bit about how you know it's not just on the court it's the people that surround you your, the emotions are happening off the court and just recently we've seen you know some of the guys that have um, done really well like an isner fognini the fathers. Golbis had a great um, Wimbledon. He just became a father. How much do you feel like that has um, changed maybe their perspective a little bit? Yeah, 100% or 100% for sure because there's, you know, there are, again, different stages in your life. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you start off, you've got, you've got some mojo in a different way where, you know, it's, it's becomes, it can be very selfish in its, in its, in its way. And then, then you get a bit older and then you, you might be in a relationship, you might be married and then you have different focuses because now, you're, now you've got to give a bit of yourself somewhere else. So then you, and you're starting to also develop who you are, you know, because the tennis world, when you think about it, you know, you, you start young um, and you're in, this, you're in this environment and you don't really evolve until you get 
bit like a lot older, you know, you, you, and different things come into place. Some actually have got really good environments around them. Some actually have to go away from their home base and try and find themselves because uh, it's at their, in their home base, it's not where they're going to get the tennis. So they have to go out of there and they start, whether they're staying at academies or, you know, or other places around the world. So where do they build that real uh, structure as a young young person growing up with the, the right people around them, etc.? So. I think tennis, you know, it evolves you in good ways. And, yeah, when they when they become parents, I mean, Fanini, I love watching him play. Great talent yeah. and, a, and a great guy. Uh, yeah, and he's up and down. He's a bit volatile. But you know what? That's great for the game. We, we want we want different characters. You don't, There is no formula for how you should be on the tennis court. Uh, but, you know, him being a father now, married, and you're a father, uh, your responsibility sits somewhere else. You know, but you're still... But tennis is a big part of your life. So... I just love the evolving evolvement of, of an athlete and, and I just think we should never try and pocket people in the same category as someone else because we're all on the journey differently and we've all got different backstories. And so until we know the backstory of everybody uh, cleanly and, and very precisely, I think it's very hard to start saying that this athlete should do this or they should be doing this. Yes, there, there can be a fundamental uh, way to be exposed to being an elite athlete, but the the road and, and the time it gets there is different with everybody. Well, that's our job here on ATP yeah. Tennis Radio is trying to get those backstories. That was exactly. beautifully said. So good ending to this interview. R- Roger, thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate Thanks. it. It's been a pleasure. Our thanks to Roger Rashid and before him, Jesse Levine. I hope you can join us next week for more exclusive interviews from the tour. And in the meantime, please check out our iTunes page. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, feel free to leave us a review. Bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>